0: Thank you, Nina. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's really great to be joining you on this special Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Do keep Daniel 12 open in front of you. It might not be a a familiar passage for some. Uh, It might not be a normal passage perhaps to be thinking about on Easter Sunday, but what it helps us to do is it helps us to think about the future and a hope that we can have at the end of time that we'll be raised from the dead, that death does not have to be the end for us. But to begin with, I'm going to do something a little bit different, because that hope that we can have uh, is based on somebody else's resurrection. It's based on Jesus' resurrection. So before we come to Daniel 12, I'm going to just read a short poem, uh, a poem based on the events of John 20. And uh, in this poem, uh, it it kind of brings to life some of the things that happened on that first Easter morning. So we can focus our our hearts and our minds on Jesus' resurrection uh, as we begin uh, this time in God's Word. Uh, It's written particularly for children in mind. So listen up, children, but hopefully uh, adults will be blessed by it as well. And it's called The Race. Early one morning, Two friends had a race. Both were running, but one had more pace. So the younger man outran the older and gave him a wave over his shoulder. But on reaching the finish, the winner froze. What he saw sent a shiver right down to his toes. You see, the race had begun due to urgent news. Could the message be right? They had no time to lose. The Lord they loved had been laid in a tomb. They felt so sad, but had they mourned too soon? Could this news be true? To the tomb they flew. It was there they saw what Mary had spoken. The way into the tomb had been broken open. It was Peter, the older, who went in before. He saw strips of linen lying on the floor. They'd been wrapped around the body of their dear friend, the one on whom their joy did depend. And now he was gone, nowhere to be seen. Oh, what on earth did it all mean? And the younger, faster man stepped in. What he saw caused faith to rise within. He remembered the promise his friend had given of life after death and sins forgiven. On the third day, I will rise, he had said. But could he have meant rise from the dead? Only later did they fully understand, only when they saw where the nail pierced his hand. Jesus, their friend, appeared in plain sight, their dim understanding brought into the light. They saw and believed. New life they received. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you again for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you that his resurrection has opened up the way for our resurrection. And as we think now about the end of time and what that might look like for us to be raised from the dead and all the things that are involved in that, we pray that you give us faith uh, to believe in this future vision that you're giving us, so that we can live in the right way here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're three weeks into the lockdown now, aren't we? How are you coping? How are you getting on? How are you dealing with this crisis? And what is your hope in the midst of This distress that we're all going through. In our reading in Daniel 12, we were given a vision of the end of history. And disturbingly, we read the words there will be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. So, whatever distress we're experiencing at the moment, and there's a lot of distress going on. That will be nothing compared to a future time of distress. But in the middle of this time of distress, way off in the future, there will be hope. Look again at the end of verse 1. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. So just when things seem to be at their worst, when all hope seems to be lost, that is when deliverance will come and what will this deliverance look like? Verse 2 tells us multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So the hope of deliverance In this future time of distress, is the hope of resurrection. We don't know exactly what the distress is going to look like, but we do know what the deliverance will look like. It's the hope of a life hereafter, it's the hope that death will not be the end for us, that there is life beyond the grave. And we know from reading the New Testament that we will spend this eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ in a glorious new heaven and new earth in glorious new bodies that's what's going to happen at the end of time but it's not for now and so Daniel who's been given this vision by God he's told twice to seal up the words until the relevant time now there isn't A promise being given here that God's people will avoid death. It may well be that uh, the distress that we experience both now and in the future could claim our lives. Uh, Being a Christian doesn't mean that you are immune from death. But there is a promise here in Daniel that is repeated again and again through the rest of of the Bible that God's people. Will be delivered from death, from the power of death, and raised to new life. And these verses in Daniel 12 are very important. It's the clearest statement in the whole of the Old Testament about resurrection. Nowhere else do we get at such a firm affirmation of the bodily resurrection of believers. But I want you to notice that this. Promise of what's going to happen in the future isn't just about people who believe in God. It says that some will awake to everlasting life, life with God in a new world, a new creation, but others will rise to shame and everlasting contempt. It's a double resurrection. This is an event that will divide humanity like a road. That goes off in two different directions with two very different destinations. One half of humanity will shine like the brightness of the heavens, like the stars forever and ever. The other half will experience shame forever and ever. And what's the difference between these two halves of humanity? And these two different destinations. How can you ensure that when the the resurrection happens at the end of the age, at the end of history, that you'll be amongst those who shine forever rather than amongst those who will be ashamed forever? The key is in verse one. Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. When we hear about the book, uh, if you know something of, of the Bible, maybe your mind might go to the end of the Bible and the book of Revelation. And at the end of Revelation in chapter 20 and 20, when we hear about a book, it's called the book of life. On the day of judgment, that book will be opened. And anyone whose name is not written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. They will experience everlasting shame and suffering. Only those whose name is written in the Book of Life will be allowed into the glory of the new heaven and the new earth, where they will shine forever. Like the stars. That I saw a new heaven and a new earth, nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We sometimes talk about people's names being written in the history books, people who have done an amazing act of greatness, or maybe they were just in the right place at the right time. The thing is, human history books won't last. The people whose names are written in those history books won't last. At the end of history, there is only one book in which you will want your name to be written. And that is the book of life. If your name is not written in that book. Then at the end of history. When everybody is raised from the dead. You will spend eternity in everlasting shame and contempt. But if your name isn't in the book, if it's written in Jesus' book of life, you can look forward to a deliverance from the power of death. You can look forward to everlasting joy. And there's only those two destinations, everlasting shame or everlasting joy good news is there's only one qualification you need to be in that book of life you don't need to have achieved great things you don't need to have superior intelligence you don't need to have led a remarkable life you don't need to be super talented there's only one thing that you need to have done believe in the lord jesus christ believe that christ died for your sins on the cross Believe that, that he was buried in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose from that tomb, and that tomb is now empty. And if you believe that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, then you also will rise. Death will not be the end for you. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection if we believe in him you know this isn't a fairy tale for deluded people when we think about the end of the world it might be hard for us to get our our heads around that we might think well can we really believe this can we believe what the bible is telling us about the end of the world what the bible tells us is real what it tells us about our own future And what it tells us about what happened to Jesus, it, it is real. We can trust it. Jesus' resurrection is a historical fact. In fact, we read it in one letter in the New Testament that when Jesus rose again and he was still on this earth before he went back to heaven to be with his father, that on one occasion he appeared to more than 500 people, 500 people at the same time. Now it might be easy to delude a few people to pull the wool over their eyes, but 500 people at the same time. The big question for us is not, is the resurrection true? many people have set out to disprove the resurrection and found that they just couldn't do it. The big question for us is do we believe it? That's the question that Jesus posed to a woman called Mary. You can read about her in John's Gospel, chapter 11. Her brother Lazarus had died. In fact, he'd been dead for four days. And Jesus wasn't there when he was sick and dying. And she said to him, if you'd have been here, Lord, then my brother would not have died. Jesus was late, and it seemed that all hope was gone. That Their brother was in the tomb. And where was the hope now? But amazingly, Jesus says these words to Mary. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's the question we need to grapple with this morning. Because if you do believe it, if you do believe in Jesus' resurrection, then it changes everything. It changes your future. Because whatever distress you might go through, whether in the present time or whether in the future, we have the certain hope of deliverance. And it changes your present it changes your here and now the resurrection changes the way you live in this present time firstly it will help you to live in wisdom take a look at verse three who are the people who will shine in glory for all eternity the answer is those who are wise And look at verse 10. Who are the people who will understand the times they live in and so act in the right way? The answer is those who are wise. So as we move ever closer to the end of time, the end of history, what kind of people does God want us to be? Well, the answer is those who are wise. Now, wisdom means living in the light of the truth. It's not just knowing the facts about a situation, it's allowing those facts to change the way that we live, to affect the decisions that we make. So I might know that, uh, let's say, there, there are some cliffs over there, and they're very steep and unstable. If I get to the edge of those cliffs, then the likelihood is that the ground might give way, and I'll fall off, and I'll plummet. So I could know that those cliffs are dangerous, but I might still head towards those cliffs. That that is foolishness. It would be wise to avoid the cliffs altogether. That's wisdom. That is living in light of the truth. So knowing what we know about the end of time, that there will be a resurrection of all people, what is the wise way to live? Is it wise to live just for the here and now? Or is it wise to live for eternity? What good is it to gain glory and recognition now, but to lose the greatest treasure of all? To lose out on that eternal life and eternal joy with God. Knowing the future should help us live wisely in the present. But making wise choices requires faith. We've been thinking about faith, haven't we, the last couple of Sunday mornings. And while we're still living in this world, it won't always look like the wise choice to stay faithful to Christ, to follow him and believe in him. Our vindication for making that decision to follow Jesus will come only right at the end. at Our resurrection when we'll rise to eternal splendor and glory. And any sacrifices that we've made in the here and now will be worth it on that final day when we rise in glory with Christ. In other words, we will have to wait. So know in the end we live in waiting. Daniel's vision ends in chapter 12, verse 4. And then in verse 5, he sees two others, one on this bank of the river, the great river Tigris, and then one on the opposite bank. And just to confuse things even further, there's a man clothed in linen who appears to be hovering above the waters, right in the middle of them. It's a strange scene. But let's focus on the question that is posed by to this man in linen in verse 6. How long? Will it be before those astonishing things are fulfilled and then this man in linen raises both hands to heaven and he says rather cryptically in verse seven it will be for time times and half a time when the power of the holy people has finally been broken all these things will be completed what he says is a little bit cryptic and we've do a little bit of work to kind of decode it. And that phrase time, times, and half a time refers to a period of suffering and persecution. And we know that because that exact same phrase appears again at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. And in that context, it's talking about suffering and persecution of God's people. Now we could argue about what the numbers mean, but the point is this: there will be a time of persecution. That persecution will bring distress for God's people, but it will come to an end. All these things will be completed. What God says will happen in the future will come to pass. It might look like this persecution and distress is going to go on forever. It'll be a time and then times, but then it's going to be cut short, half a time. It's hard to wait for a good thing to start. Uh, almost a year ago now, last Easter weekend, uh, we welcomed a new member into our family. Uh, his name is Bryn Jones, and he's a dog. He's a Welsh Springer Spaniel, hence uh, the Welsh name. Uh, but we had to wait for our new puppy, who he's not a puppy anymore, he, he's a bit bigger than that on the photo now. We had to wait for him. Uh, to come into our home we'd been to visit him uh, a month earlier and we were waiting in anticipation for him to come it's hard to wait for a good thing to start but it's even harder to wait for a bad thing to end something like sickness uh, something that lots of people are experiencing at the moment And sometimes when we're in the midst of sickness, it might feel like that sickness and that suffering will never end. And each one of us are experiencing distress in some way right now. Some of us will be feeling it more than others, depending on our situation. But however bad things might get, whether now or in the future, we can be confident that that distress will not last. If we're trusting in Jesus, Jesus has promised that he will come soon. In fact, that is the final promise in the whole Bible. I am coming soon. I'm going to come and put an end to your distress, to your suffering. But in the meantime, we have to wait. But the message to Daniel is there is blessing in waiting see that in verses 12 and 13 good things come to those who wait there is a resurrection to come for all who trust in jesus so god has revealed the future to us through his prophet daniel and now we have a decision to make now we have had this insight into what is going to happen at the end of time We need to ask ourselves, do we believe in the resurrection of the dead? Do we believe that all people will rise to two destinations and only two destinations? Do we trust that however bad things may get, there will be deliverance if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? And will we allow that event at the end of history? The resurrection to shape the way that we live in the present well let's come to god together now again in prayer and let's ask him to help us not only to have faith in this future reality but to allow that reality to shape the way we live right now let's pray Father, we thank you for this vision that we've been able to look at for a short time this morning. We thank you for what it shows us about the future. We thank you that it shows us that there is a future hope that we can look forward to. And this isn't just make-believe, it's not just wishful thinking. This is real. And we know it's real. Because another person has already been raised from the dead. Because Jesus Christ rose on that first Easter Sunday. We praise you and we thank you that he is alive today. And because he is alive, then we also will live forever with him. But Father, help us also to be aware of another destination, an alternative Destination that we could end up in if we reject Jesus, if we refuse to believe in his resurrection. And help us to live right now with that future in mind, with those two destinations in mind. Help us to choose the right path now so that we can enjoy eternal glory forever with you.